0: Hey guys, hope you're having a great day. We've been talking about family and finances over the past few episodes, and we're going to be wrapping it up today with another great conversation about financial literacy and teaching our children about money. But before I get into our conversation today and introduce our guest, I wanted to throw out a quick update. Hopefully you've already listened to our last two episodes on helping to teach our children about money. If you haven't yet checked those out, make sure and do that. They were both great conversations. And after those, I felt motivated myself to buy both authors books and have my children read them. And I wanted to give you a quick update on that. So the first book we received was David Delisle's book, The Golden Quest, Your Journey to a Rich Life. So I read it, my older son read it, and we just finished reading it to my middle son. They both completely gobbled it up. My older son read it in one sitting. And uh, my middle son, who's seven, and I read it over three or four bedtime stories. He kept wanting to continue reading, like, after one or two chapters, even though it was past his bedtime. So it was definitely really engaging for both of them. I think this is going to be a fantastic book, especially for children who have never explored money topics. I think the ideal age range is probably, like, maybe six to ten years old. It's very visual and has, like, an engaging storyline and conveys some really solid money lessons, but I think the most important thing to point out is this book does a great job sprinkling in some super important financial principles, which I think are the foundation of using money as a tool to achieve happiness. I think a lot of adults really are missing these principles, and so this book teaches this concept of the fact that less material stuff is more And to be really aware of spending and view spending decisions from the lens of will I really love and use this material thing. It also teaches kids to save first before spending and make sure and put the savings to work by investing. And then one concept I think that's really missing in society is this concept of giving. This book teaches children that giving actually makes them richer. And then the final lesson helps reinforce this idea of saving first by talking about how the real value of having money is its ability to buy you time and freedom to do what's truly most important. Really, I think a lot of adults could benefit from reading this and certainly kids can. So the second book we received was Will Rainey's book, Grandpa's Fortune Fables, fun stories to teach kids about money. So I read this and my oldest son is almost done with it. So this book is a little bit more advanced than The Golden Quest, but not a lot. I would say it's great for probably like maybe seven years old and older. I'll try reading it with my seven-year-old son to see. But this book covers all the things that were covered in The Golden Quest and really hits on a lot more topics. It's a little bit longer of a book. It's less visual, of course. It's, you know, the fable format. It's more like stories, written stories and less like, you know, visual pictures. But this book covers a lot of topics like, you know, that weren't covered in the golden quest, like starting a business, managing debt, taxes, avoiding get rich quick schemes, working smarter, not harder, and the risks of investing. So the method of teaching is great. I love the fables as a method. And I think that really catches kids' attention. And of course, like The Golden Quest, this book sprinkles in some super important concepts as well, like the difference between being rich and wealthy and how more is not always better. It also teaches this really important lesson that anybody can become wealthy even if they come from a tough upbringing. Every chapter also ends with this lesson learned and throws out some simple questions to consider. So I think this book would be a great Book for a child that has already so- shown some interest in money, and I think there's going to be a ton of takeaways and, and questions that that they raise after reading it. So since reading these, my sons have brought up saving, giving, and have asked questions about investing, and they've asked how to make money or how to you know how to in what to do with the money. I've set them up since then to. You know on projects to make money, and my older son, we've set him up to to actually sell some of our old stuff that we're not using on eBay, and he's gonna be making like a thirty percent cut on it, and so he's kind of like starting his own little tiny business on it and so but in general, like they brought up money and some of these concepts like investing more than they ever have before, and it's I think a lot of it's been prompted by these books, so it's this is really effective stuff I would definitely recommend both books. If you have kids in this age range, by the way, I'm not like accepting commissions for recommending these books in case you're wondering, I just genuinely think they're great. And I'm really excited to be able to share those with you. So I'm excited also to get into today's show. So let's jump into that now. So my guest today is a mom, a wife, she's a dentist. She's a fellow personal finance geek. She's an entrepreneur and a coach. So she's got a lot going on. She's also an author of a children's book on money. That's three guest authors in a row who have written children's books on, which is crazy because I didn't know there was really any. And so I'm so excited to be able to find some really good content, not only for adults, but also for kids. So along the way of becoming a dentist, And as she started to pay off some of this massive student loan debt she had, our guest today realized that many in medicine don't have a solid foundation and need help. This motivated her to start Doctors Out of Debt, to help coach other doctors on how to tackle debt and gain financial freedom. She found through this experience that many doctors have never really absorbed or been taught some of these basic personal finance concepts and that really where the issue is in childhood so in seeing all this it motivated her to take the initiative to write and publish a children's book designed to help parents begin talking about money with their kiddos so my guest today is Dr. Caroline Clarisme we had a great conversation and so we talked about a lot of different things we talked about how she paid off $250,000 in four years. You know, that's a pretty impressive feat in itself. We talked about why financial literacy is one of the greatest gifts we can pass on to our children. We talked about how and when we can bring up this topic with our children. And then we talked about why a book like hers is such a great catalyst for the conversation. So as I mentioned, great conversation. I think, I really think you're gonna enjoy this one and let's jump right into it. Caroline, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Yeah, I'm excited for our conversation today. I know you got lots of good nuggets to share and you have a lot of different things going on and with your, of course, with your dental practice, but also with your business and helping people pay off debt. And you've even written a children's book and there's all kinds of good stuff you got going on that I think will be great to talk about. Maybe before we get into some of that, I would love it if you could kind of share a little bit about how you got into helping doctors to pay off debt. I think that's such an interesting business in itself. But like, how did you get to this point of helping other people pay off debt?
1: Absolutely. Again, so I'm a general dentist in New Hampshire. And I'm sure you guys can hear an accent. And yes, I'm from Haiti, but I'm in New Hampshire, where it's very cold right now. Anyway, general dentist in New Hampshire. I'm also a wife, model to a partner, and I am... Co-author of *An um, Amazing and *The Talking Piggy Bank*. Let's learn about money. And I'm also the founder and CEO of Doctors Out of Death, where I help doctors to create generational wealth and get out of debt at the same time. And the reason all that happened is that when I graduated from dental school, long no time ago, like 11 years ago, <laughs> I had a lot of debt. I had about 200. of student loans coming from the Caribbean, where growing up, we, I didn't really have any exposure to credit, student loans, any of that. And I'm like $250,000 of student loans. It's a big number. Like, and, but by applying a bunch of debt repayment strategies, I was able to pay everything off in four years. With a starting salary of less than six figures, and shortly after, I was able to go from one skill of income to seven streams of income, and I just really started talking to doctors about what i have be doing. And before I know it, i found a doctors out of that where I'm really showing doctors how I was able to do that, to be able to get out of it quickly and study reading well at the same time. And from that, Lily and the Talking Biggie was pretty much born hmm. because I realized that after talking to so many doctors that a lot of money habits were learned from early. And from when they were kids, so I'm like, the sooner the better that they can talk about that, that their parents can talk about that, many children, the better. So that's why the broadcasting is expressed. Everybody loves it, loves it because they get it. Gets, you know, but something that has been so taboo.
0: So a lot of the doctors you... Have been working with, have you noticed that a lot of them maybe haven't had some of these foundational money lessons even as an adult?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And I must say that money is still happening. And that's something that we use every single day. Mm. We still don't like talking about it.
0: Kind of weird, isn't it?
1: Yeah. And I must say, growing up, our parents taught to us openly about money. And here I am. Spending with everybody talks about money openly, and then we're like, oh, we don't do that here. So, even in college and dental school, even after dental school, I realized that you don't talk about money. It's like, we talk about it? and of course, that's a problem because if you don't talk about it, if you don't know your numbers, if you don't know how to improve your numbers, if you don't talk about investing or getting out of debt, you will still feel like you're in a bubble. You don't know how to decide.
0: Yeah, I would have to hope that. People, you know, went the direction of not talking about money with good intentions. I think people worry about hurting other people's feelings about like talking about their money and they don't want to come across as like greedy or whatever. But the problem with not talking about money is it usually, you know, they just don't talk about it at all. So like they don't even talk about any part of it. Not, you know, of course, it's not super, you know respected i don't think to like brag about how much money you make i mean that part about talking about money maybe doesn't help but like we don't have to like you know not talk about it at all and i think that's the problem with this whole money as taboo is um there's you see lots of adults i see it as a financial planner like all the time like people have you know said that i'm you know finishing up training to be a doctor and I'm you know in my 30s and I've never really been taught anything about money that's just a interesting you know it's kind of sad that's playing out because it does pe- put people at a disadvantage
1: absolutely and you can always say two things that we have to talk about whether or not we want to two things that are going to affect us is health and money at some point you might have some health issues at some point you might have some money issues or regardless like you use money like I said every single day. or some, in some way, you're using money. So you have to know about it. You need to mm. understand the psychology behind it. How to use it? How to multiply it? You need to understand things. And yeah. if you were not exposed to that, or talk to about that to your about your parents, you feel you might feel a little bit lost or even frustrated.
0: Or like Absolutely. you can't talk to anybody about it because no, your parents didn't talk to you about it. So like you just yeah. don't talk about it.
1: Yeah. But what I have learned is sometimes we don't, our parents don't talk to us money, but, but we still see how they handle money. We make our own you know, decision as far as how to handle money when it comes to that time when we have a job. So a lot of time, even though we're not having a direct conversation with our parents about money or with used agents have that, we still see, we still pretty much notice how they handle money. We tend to do the same thing.
0: Right. It's like their actions still yes. speak louder than their words would have, you yes. know, especially if they're not saying anything about it.
1: Yes, absolutely. But sometimes it becomes so secretive. You're like, it's still so much easier to just talk about it. Yeah. Because so, for example, in the book, we talk about franchising, we talk about retirement, we need to investing, all those things that you should start talking about early on so that you don't want to be in your 40s and 50s and be like, oh, you decided to stop thinking about retirement. No, mm-hmm. stop talking about those things early on.
0: Right. So how did you pay off $250,000 in four years exactly? You said your income was below six figures?
1: <laughs> yes, that was the starting salary of less than six figures. Yeah. And I was able to pay everything.
0: I off mean, I know like days. literally how you did it, like you pay the thing off, but like, how did you actually do that? <laughs> so,
1: a lot of it was several debt regimen strategies. And, you know, there was, they have the debt snowball, debt avalanche. I used multiple ways to pay off the debt, but five ways actually. I even refinance. There's so many things that I did. But the first thing that I had to realize was I had to have it proper mindset and what i mean by that is that i have to go i'm going to pay off the debt and invest at the same time so i cannot be this using my salary to be buying liability so i had to be very intentional first thing was to figure out where my money goes every single month and to reallocate that money towards it okay, so it's just about organizing my finances pretty much telling my money where to go in other words having a budget the word that everybody hates, but pretty much telling my money where to go and then from there starting investing. And I was even able to use some investments to be able to pay up to that. But what I really did was using my nine to five and then I had a weekend job and then I had a loan repayment program that I was in where they gave me $50,000 with my student loans. So I had that as well and I refinanced. I had a lot going on, a lot of repayment. That we strategies how to implement implementing really all that. Off.
0: So you basically made your mind up you were going to do it, and then you did it by budgeting, managing your money, doing it, making it do yes. its thing. Essentially, I'm going to
1: say yes, and no. originally I thought I was going to pay it up in ten years, that was my plan. Ten years, and then some things happened—a little, let's just say, embarrassing things with money. You know, and I was like, you know what? I have worked way too hard. It's ridiculous for me to have, like, overdraft fees or whatever it is. And I'm like, let me really get it together, you know? So and I really, when I really sat down and wrote down my goal and really told my money, this is what I want you to do because I want to have seven streams of income. I want to have a 7 figure portfolio. What are we going to do? I was a little late. I was stuck with the money. This is what we're going to do? So from there, I was, hey, maybe yeah, I can pay it up in seven years. And then once I really started seeing that, that is just literally reducing and drastically reducing, I was like, you can do it. for start. And mm-hmm. you. But the plan originally, it was in right here. That was my. Thing.
0: Yeah, that's good. Most people set goals that they don't hit. You set a goal and then you got made it even more aggressive. Like.
1: Oh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> because the thing is that sometimes when you see that it's working, you get you know, and that's for me working. that's why out. the
0: debt snowball works well as you yes. can
1: believe. wins and that's something that i talk to my clients about celebrate all wins, always
0: yeah yeah well we're you want to do you want to explain the debt snowball versus like you know the what's the other way of doing it? like interest rate tar- targeting or mm-hmm. whatever so
1: the debt snowball that's one way that i did that so pretty much you look at all of your debt whether you have student loans credit card debt whatever kind of debt that you have and then you list it from smallest number to largest number. And then you just pay the smallest amount first. Everything that you have, you pay towards the smallest amount. And then you pay it up. And then you go you to the second smallest and then to the third smallest. And then pretty much, if it gets paid up so quickly. And the reason why is that you get so excited. And I must say, at first, it might be a little bit discouraging because as doctors, sometimes we have $2,000 student loan. So we'll have different loans, 2000 student loan, and then right next to it is 2.8%. And you have $25,000, and it's like 7.9%. You're like, should I be looking at the interest rates first? Or sometimes when you just pay off that 2000, you just get excited, like, oh my gosh, let me keep going, let me keep going. Mm-hmm. So that's one way that I did pay off the student loans. And another way is the debt avalanche, which is when you have the interest rate. So you look at the highest interest rates, to the lowest interest rates. And then you applied the debt from highest interest rates to lowest interest rates. Remember earlier, I said that I had the only payment money that I was getting. So twenty five thousand dollars really towards the highest interest rate. Next year, highest interest rate twenty five thousand dollars boom paid up. Just what like was the that.
0: loan? What was the loan reimbursement program you were in?
1: So I spent two years working at the health center, and for that they paid me fifty thousand dollars.
0: Like a stipend.
1: Yeah. yeah. Well, And it up. a showed it, you have to pay for it like, okay, I paid $25,000 to for the loan. Yeah. And you have the, I don't put it, something you had to apply for. It's a learning, really, like, it was a very tedious process to be able to get into that program, but that's something that I recommend because it's state-based, so that's something that's worth looking at. Yeah. It's very important to make sure that you're going to be happy somewhere for two years because some people, they're like, I cannot stay here anymore after like nine months. And then you get to default. You have to pay fees back, penalties. You don't want to get into all that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So the debt snowball approach is really good because it's super motivational. So, like, psychologically, it's a great way to do it. But then, like, the debt avalanche from a numbers standpoint makes more sense, but maybe not as motivational because you, you know, if your highest interest rate, Debt takes a really long time to pay off. It's, man, we're not making any progress here. Yes.
1: And for me, I think the only reason why it worked for me is because I had a big chunk of money to put towards it.
0: Yeah. I I had
1: $25,000 to put towards it for two years. Right. But it would have been very discouraging, you know, Mm -hmm. but that snowball. I'm telling you, for me, it's like working out. Sometimes I like it. It is. It's a lot like working
0: out. I agree.
1: It works. And again, sometimes or some things that we do with money does not always make sense to someone else. I don't know about the psychology of money, but when we get those wins, you're like, oh my gosh, I lost five pounds. You know, it's the same thing. So you just keep going. But if you're like, oh my gosh, I've been working, I've been doing this and that, I'm losing weight.
0: Not seeing any results. You yep. know,
1: it's the same thing. Again, the snowball works because you just get into a momentum. You just want to keep going. Yep. And if you are working on your mindset at the same time, you'll be amazed. You'll have opportunities. Come um, or doors open, on, open up. You're going to have people bring you jobs, promotions, bonuses, whatever. Pretty exciting. Mindset is key.
0: Yeah, I agree. You also mentioned seven streams. Did you say seven streams of income? Now it's seven. How do I get seven streams of income? <laughs> I'm sure that's
1: it. You don't have to get seven streams because that's a lot.
0: I know. Okay. I mean, and, how do I balance seven streams income? Cause that's, you know, like, well, that's what i saying.
1: It's a lot. You don't have to do that. And so, a lot of these, so one major thing to understand is that you use your income, your active income, almost like as leverage to be able to have those other streams of income. So, a lot of people, they think like you shouldn't be actively working to have other streams of income. I think whenever you hear passive income, you have to be very careful. You're not like just laying on a beach somewhere sleeping on whatever margarita or whatever. no, you
0: have not to that passive work.
1: no you <laughs> have to actively work and then from there you can invest in real estate that can give you one income. you can invest in the stock market you can have another income like that. you can be an author thats another income you can.
0: Have a coaching have business. Dividend
1: income. You can have interest income. There's so many types of income, mm. and that's the thing. You don't have to be to go chasing Several streams of income. For me, it was recently that I acquired seven streams of income because I became an author. I didn't have seven before, and I was it was still fine because I was really focusing on re- rental income, real estate. That was really what was really giving me the financial freedom that I have been taking for a while.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, multiple streams of income. I mean, on the surface, that sounds great. Especially passive income sounds great, but I like how you know also mentioned that it is hard work and it's not. I mean, a book doesn't write itself. I imagine that's a lot of work. Yes, but with that
1: being said, so there there are a few ways to look at it. I always say one income is way too close to zero. Never have one income. With that being said, don't go chase. Chasing happy in a bunch of streams of income. You don't need to have seven streams of income. If it happens, but you don't have to go chasing. I feel that all doctors should have at least three streams, three streams of income. Have your active income, and then you're investing in real estate. That's another income. And then you invest in the stock market. That's another income. But for the stock market, you need to know how to do swing trading, so that you can use capital gains as a as an income, or you have stocks that you invest, that you can give you dividend income, which is another type of income. Or you can just invest in real estate. There are several ways to just invest in real estate and have multiple streams of, multiple paychecks coming your way. You don't need to just be a landlord. There are so many ways to invest in real estate that, give, that can give you a paycheck every single month, quarterly, when you want to The investor. Yep. one, again, is to go back to mindset, keep an open mind, because I think a lot of us, when we hear real estate, we're like, I don't want to be a landlord. I don't want to be this, you know? so yes
0: yeah well i think you paying off the debt you budgeted what i'm hearing is first thing you did was well i guess if we go even further back like in your family like money was not taboo and then you got older and you had this big debt and you're like i'm gonna pay this thing off so you budgeted and you got your money under control and you paid the thing off really fast and then you re that cash flow to investing and building multiple streams of income and whatever, you know, that looks like for you. It varies by person, but you connected it to putting your money to work, basically. Yes. And, you know, here you are today.
1: Yes. And that's something that I learned from my parents, again, talking about money and seeing what they do. My parents never had one income from it, ever. And so they had multiple streams of income, my mom and my dad. My mom is a physician, a dermatologist, and then my dad was a sociologist a professor, and always had multiple streams of income. They had their mm. own businesses, and they were working with government and also private entity always. And so that's what I did. You know, I always I never had a one stream of income because right. that's, again you do what your parents used to do. Usually, you do. So that's what I did. I did what I saw my parents do, and then I mm. realized that, okay. They had active income. I need to figure out how to have semi or passive income, Mm. which is what I use my active income to invest in assets that can give me regular paycheck, regular income, either monthly or quarterly.
0: Yeah. So, so you've written this book and that, you know, that's an example of an income stream now. But I want to talk a little bit more about like the book and the concept of talking about kids, talking about money with our kids. I think a lot of, us as parents were maybe intimidated by that because it's taboo. But then also, a lot of people I think are intimidated to bring it up because they don't feel like they know money enough themselves. And so, if I'm a parent, I'm like, I get it. Like, teach your kids about money. That makes sense. But like, I don't really know where to start. Like, I don't know money myself.
1: And it can be intimidating. The funny you said that one of their. And- parent who bought the book, she said that now she is excited to learn about money herself. Sometimes right. you just have to learn with your child at the same time. And it's okay to learn together, to learn about investing. Because at first, again, it can be so intimidating, but it's okay to learn those things together. What is investing? What's a 401k? What's an IRA? What's budgeting? What's credit? Why do I need credit? You know, all those things. What is debt? What is the real purpose of that? So again, I know sometimes it can be a little bit intimidating, but again, it's something that you're going to use every single day, but you don't have a choice pretty much.
0: Right. I mean, yeah, you need to, either they're going to learn money, you know, by your actions, which is not very much, I mean, it is what it is, or you can proactively teach them based on like the right way to do it even if your actions aren't the right way to do it like maybe that's the nice thing about teaching your kids you you can kind of like change the trajectory like if you're even if you're in a not so well to do family like you can kind of like give them the power to change their trajectory and get out of that situation and and, I mean it's valuable stuff like this is kind of like should be in schools right it should be like first grade education I think.
1: Absolutely. And I still remember when my parents were trying to purchase a car, they would involve us in the conversation about the cost, everything. And again, sometimes in order when I would talk to my classmates or that up on, you'd be like, Oh no, that we don't talk to our kids about that. That's adult stuff. Even if you don't go with too many details, I still think it's good to start the conversation. So they really understand the one plus one plus is two they understand what is that or why what is interest rate you know all those things just to make it easier for them for when they are in college and then they have a bunch of credit card companies. saying like get my card get my credit card so they know if they should get that card and if they do how much of that credit card they should be using on this you know to really help them not to have to struggle or really to understand how they can have financial freedom.
0: I know you've shared some of the takeaways from the book already. I am I was curious if you could share some of the either your favorite parts about it or some other areas of like takeaways like some of the nuggets of wisdom.
1: Oh, one of my favorites I think is yeah. so there's one where she it's so my, daughter, my daughter's name is Olivia. We nicknamed her Lily. So the book, pretty much she, um, I wanted to have a book where she can go back and think about financial freedom and financial literacy. But there's one section where Lily's standing in front of, you see the building there? Remember the mm-hmm. stock market? Remember that clean and bold? Yeah, so that's what I picked there. Where she's like, in front of the stock market, in front of the building, and she's like, you can make money from stock to investing in trades. So that's something that's very powerful. And then you have the little train there and she's like, yeah, I'm creating a way I'm... So all that, it's really a lot of visualization so that the child can really see like, those are things that I can attract, those are things that can happen for me. And then we talk about franchising, which is something I didn't even know, even though yes, I knew it existed, I never really understood it. So we talk about all things that you probably are not really going to talk about on a regular conversation, but you're forced to talk about things that at some point you're gonna bump into in your life so definitely i love that where she's like spinning off oh wow it's fun. i love that so you <laughs> i love this really.
0: yeah No, i mean like very few kids have been taught about business franchising or starting business or investing i would say it's a yeah. small number i would think
1: and I think the earlier the better. And I think with this new generation, they want to learn more about those things. You know, mm. I think they're also get curious. So I really think again, and the feedback has been overwhelming, really great as from parents and children.
0: What do you think is there You think the sooner the better for
1: Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because these are things that you keep can keep reiterating to. you know, mm-hmm. reiterating. Because this is the average is around eight years old when the child pretty much has I don't want to say made up in their mind, but they really understand how the parent is handling money, and pretty much that's what they'll do when they're older. And of course, those things can change. They will make their own decisions and stuff like that. But they already have a pretty good idea of how money works, with the lens of how their parents have been handling it. The older, the better.
0: Yeah, right. Yeah, I agree. As long, I mean, at the point you start reading books to them is an opportunity.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. Even if it's like jokingly, you know? But by five years old, definitely. Yeah. So once it's not when they can't understand money, like, this is a quarter, this is, start talking about it.
0: Yeah, and then bring it. When
1: it stands, you know, they get it, they understand it, go for it.
0: And I like how you talked about, like, buying the car, like, bringing it up in real-life scenarios, too. What I've found is the more I, like, talk about it with my kids, or have them read books or experience education, they bring it up in life circumstances, or they ask what things cost, or like they're just curious about money, and then that gives you the opportunity. You don't even really have to bring it up. They bring it up.
1: See, I love that. Absolutely. And that's what they pay attention.
0: Right. We're just exposing them to it a little bit more. And that's why a book is a fantastic vehicle, is you can kind of just start to expose them to it.
1: Yes, I hope that book gets you many little hands, many young hands so that they can really read it, tell the little bedtime story, and they can talk to their friends about it. And really, what's really gonna help in the future.
0: Yeah, I love it. Well, any other I'm curious if there's any other suggestions you have for parents. Are there books that you have read that were inspirational? I know I have realized there's not a ton of books, unfortunately, for Kids, I've been able to find a few people recently that have written books for kids about money, which is kind of cool. But there's there's not a ton, so I'm curious what if you had inspiration from other books, or if there's any other tips and tricks you have for parents about breaching the subject.
1: As far well as books, I do not, and I think maybe that's what really pushed me to go to my friend and let's write a book because she is and she has written many children's books, and then. One day I was like, you hey, know, I really need to help the doctors, but I wish I could help the young ones. And I went and I was like, oh, we should do this. Or oh, is it possible for us to do this? And like, yeah, let's do it. But to answer the question, maybe do some exercises with the children, take them grocery shopping, take them on trips, take them to places where you can really show them how other cultures are even using money. You know, that's one thing. And really, it's so important if you live in the US. To understand the purpose of debt, which is, yeah. I would say the purpose of debt is to create wealth. And the sooner your child can understand that, the better. And that it took me a little while to even understand that. But again, the purpose of debt is to create wealth. That's what I have about. I should no, not the, to earth. buy stuff. What
0: do you mean? The purpose of debt is to create wealth, but not to buy more stuff.
1: Yes. And because, you know, we are in a society where we have political status, what was say that we have, you know. Right. And again, purpose of debt is to create wealth. So when you think right now you have debt and every single month you are not monetizing money, you're not making money from that, you're not getting some interest income, you're not getting some rental income, some kind of income from that. That means someone else is making money from that debt. Again, the purpose of that is to create wealth. I have to sit up a few times to really be like, oh my gosh! So if I have a car if I have a mortgage, if I have furniture debt, if I have pretty fun someone else making money. The purpose of that is to create wealth. They're creating for money someone
0: this. for someone, but if yes. it's if it's odds are it's not for you.
1: Exactly. I like, it's someone else is making for... the wealth, not you. Yeah,
0: because there's a reason that they issued you the debt, and they're not just giving away free money. No. <laughs>
1: exactly. Exactly. So, writing down somewhere the purpose of debt is to create wealth. You have debt right now, and you're not making money from that debt, which is pretty much all. Yeah. So that means that someone else is making the money. Someone else right. is creating wealth.
0: For so someone when I else.
1: Realized that I was. At...
0: <laughs> I'm getting rid of this debt.
1: <laughs> no, seriously. Yes, because at that time I had 7.9 percent of my student loans. That's
0: yeah, all in love. yeah, yeah. That's that was creating a lot of wealth for someone.
1: <laughs> exactly, and that's what happened. To go back a little bit, what really pushed me to even want to pay up fast is so two things made me want to pay the fast. My parents put that in my head: Trying not to owe people money. This that's how I was. That's how they raised me and my sister: Trying mm-hmm. not to owe people money, because remember, I'm from the Caribbean; everything was harsh this day, my mom doesn't have credit card. Yeah, I'm sure she doesn't. But anyway, <laughs> the second thing is I was meeting with the financial advisor because it's part of the exit ed- counseling, perhaps. I don't know if they still have that. But I was meeting with the financial advisor. It is financial advisor. But anyway, and then she was showing me a bunch of numbers. And now remember, she showed me $520,000, which would be how much I would have to pay if I were to take 25 years to be up on the student so loan so that was
0: like, oh. so that so two hundred fifty thousand ends up being 500 and something yes In yeah. years.
1: i was like you know where i'm good she said yeah and i'm sure she gave me some good financial advice after she showed me the number but after she said that i could literally feel the cold sweats i got nervous i got more anxious i'm like no this is not happening i need to get rid of this death right now so that's what i did yeah four years later and it's the best thing ever there's not one day where I'm like, I wish I still had debt.
0: That.
1: Yeah. I never sit down.
0: People always ask us if they should pay off their mortgage early or pay off the debt faster. And what I, my favorite response to him is that, like, I've never really <laughs> come across someone that has completed paying off their debt and regrets it. You know? If you
1: can remember, we live in the US, so easy to- with
0: that, but people sometimes worry about paying off debt. It's pretty common, so it's like, well, I can understand that. But like, I've never s- talked to anyone that regretted paying off their debt. Like everybody all- that I have encountered after they have paid, just like you, like they're pumped about it. They're like, "This is fantastic. Uh, it feels great," you know.
1: It's the most great thing I've ever done. It's the best thing I've. Ever- down for us, mm. and that I met my husband shortly after, and I helped him. I, helped him, I showed him exactly how to pay it up quickly that we had, and then we got married. Jeffrey, we paid up wedding. It was the best thing ever. It's the best thing ever. Again, like I say, we never ever say like oh, we should go. We should. Like, we miss that. We miss it. Yeah,
0: right. You don't miss it either. That's the other thing. You don't miss that, no. like nobody misses that. De-
1: no, and again, like I said, you live in the U.S. way, right? so easy to put in. And every day, I still get like emails or
0: all the time Pretty
1: company. Like you get I'm like, I didn't qualify. Yeah. You're free of like, Oh my God, I'm <laughs>
0: I'm
1: my own bag. I'm my own ATM. I'm good. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, you're doing it the right way. I like. It. It's good to hear and. You're passing it on too. So you're teaching other people. And then teaching the kids is the best part. That's my favorite. That's just.
1: I mean, I definitely chose the, I guess I call it, or they call it the world less travel because most people, because I'm, I must say, when we graduate from medical, school, dental school, pharmacy school, whatever it is, we have six figure dad, We just want to be docs. just want to live like a doc. And it cannot have no a regret that I kind of did delayed up itis you know like right. living like a doctor and
0: i have yeah. yeah i mean it's all it's difficult to reduce lifestyle too like you gotta nip that on the front end if possible like
1: yes and that's the thing some people did my thing like i was eating bread what is it called Red beans and rice or noodles
0: ramen noodles
1: no i wasn't doing that anything in, in here so that's the thing so not big thing to celebrate graduation. I, I didn't, didn't do anything but the year after. I spent a whole month in Europe. So just to tell you, and I still, I was able to fail the debt in a pretty good amount of time. You know, so fifty thousand dollars in four years. And I still spent a month in Europe, you know, so just to tell you, you don't have to be starving. You just have to tell your money where to go. You just have to be the CEO of your finances, tell your money where to go. And I mean, you to me, I'm smiling because it's the best thing.
0: Yeah, it's inten- intentionality is what it is. And like in the world we live in today, the way it's set up is it's so like easy and automatic. Like you got Amazon one click, you got credit card swipes, you got automatic pay, everything. So like everybody, I mean, our, in our my grandparents used to balance their checkbook. So they would like yes. write the numbers down, which was a little bit more, where but now it's like you can basically just earn a paycheck and it disappears every month and there's zero intentionality <laughs> in it absolutely but yes. what you're yes. talking about is intentionality like you are the boss of your money like you controlled yes. it
1: absolutely because the other way around is not you know like every single month you have to pay your student loan service so you have to pay credit card you have to pay the mortgage you have to pay this, you pay the I would rather you put that money towards investment or towards assets that can give you income and then having to take 25 or 30 years to just be in debt or and that's the thing too, sometimes they just when I say they that don't service creditors, they make it affordable, like if you go and get a car and furniture, whatever it is, and I only it's just 300 a month or 700 a month. And you just get it. You're like, you can afford that. You make it part of your budget. But I'm like, again, you're making someone richer. For the purpose of that is to create wealth. They are getting wealthy from you giving them wealthy payments plus interest. When mm-hmm. you could be making that money.
0: Yep. And it's a sneaky little car, co- like it adds up and the more that you like have. And
1: I saw how much I would end up paying
0: in 25 years, I said, no. Was that, re- that was the, your switch was flipped when you saw the interest, total interest cost. Yes, yeah.
1: absolutely, that's a lot. And that's when I refinanced, that was the strategy that I used was refinancing. Absolutely. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, could you be swayed by a 0% interest credit card?
1: <laughs> I would still pay it off every, year, every month.
0: Yeah, that's you know, there's I no free lunch. Up. Like, at the end of the day, there's always a cost. So a lot of these companies offer yes. 0% interest rates on debt or whatever, but there's some cost there. It's Man,
1: just stuff happened. One time I had a client, actually, it wasn't a client. So he was trying to become one of my clients. And then one time he sent me a message. He said, I should have listened to you because now I'm an $8,000 student. I'm on credit card debt that. With the 0%. I Meaning he just kept putting Getting, everything. Yeah. Why, why is it despite it? It's so easy, eight thousand, and yeah. it might not be that easy for some people to pay eight thousand dollars like that. So when it comes a balance, you know. Even though it is your percent, and you keep adding up stuff, happen, then yeah, yep. it become messy.
0: That is dangerous. Yeah, it is. I agree. Well, this is
1: if you don't understand purpose of that or the psychology of money. Yep, it's gonna delay the process. of Financial
0: freedom. Yep, I agree. Couldn't agree more. Well, I enjoy talking about this stuff. It's fun for me. And I'm glad I, I can tell you enjoy money too, which is we can geek out about money together. It's always happy. It is. It's good. But, and I think teaching your kids about it and learning these basic principles yourself, even if you're learning alongside your kids, that's such a valuable thing you can do. And you don't like, none of us are perfect. Like, we're not going to figure it out all overnight it's a work in progress and i like that you can kind of use that approach of like learning it alongside your kids that's just a great way to look at it like you said and i appreciate you chatting with me
1: thank you so much for having me i really enjoyed it
0: yeah uh-huh. it's been fun it's been fun well we'll look forward to catching up again another time
1: thank you again for having me
0: yeah definitely And we would love to get to know you better and see if we might be able to help. Feel free to reach out anytime to schedule an introductory meeting. You can find more info about us at w-r-e-n-ne-financial.com.